This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. I want you to go through the whole Quran with me. Join me at bayina.tv. <laughs> إذ قال الله يا عيسى إني متوفيك ورافعك إلي ومطهرك من الذين كفروا وجاعل الذين اتبعوك فوق الذين كفروا إلى يوم القيامة ثم إلي مرجعكم فأحكم بينكم فيما كنتم فيه تختلفون فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَأُعَذِّبُهُمْ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَمَا لَهُمْ مِنْ نَاصِرِينَ وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَيُوَفِّيهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الظَّالِمِينَ ذَلِكَ نَتْلُوهُ عَلَيْكَ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ الْحَكِيمِ رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد once again everyone assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh so we are going to wrap up some discussions on the 55th ayah of surah ali imran now we were at the part waja'ilu alladhina taba'uka fawqa alladhina kafaru ila yawm alqiyamah that i've placed those who followed you uh, above those who've disbelieved until the day of resurrection. We talked some, about some of the nuances in those phrases. Then to me alone is all of your return. And the, the word marji' in Arabic is a dharf, zaman and makan. It's an interesting term. Uh, the place that you will be returned is me, towards me, and the time is towards me. So place and time. Your time of return, your place of return. That's, that's towards myself. فَأَحْكُمُ بَيْنَكُمْ Then I'm going to pass the verdict between all of you. I will be the final judge between all of you. This might also be an indication that some of this mystery around Jesus is not going to be solved until then. Because I'll finally be the one to judge. Of course, it's generally about judgment day also that Allah is the final judge over all the issues that, that used to occur. فِيمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ In whatever issues you used to have disagreements in. فِيمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ And even here, the فِيهِ is actually what's considered مُقَدَّم In other words, the expected language is فِيمَا كُنْتُمْ تَخْتَلِفُونَ فِيهِ And the فِيهِ is dropped or brought earlier than expected to almost highlight that the differences uh, that used to exist in regards to Isa salam and this debate and this, this confusion and the great catastrophe that was created as a result of some of this confusion that deliberately by some um, is not a small disagreement. It's impacted the entire world. You know, the, 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 the truth about Isa salam is something that's impacted how the world looks today. You know, so ma kuntum fihi takhtalifun. You know, the, 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 in the English language, in what you disagreed in. In what you disagreed in. But in the Arabic language, in what you disagreed in it. They add an awkward it at the end, which doesn't exist in the English language. Like for example, in English, you don't say, I know, you say, I know what you said. English simple statement, I know what you said. But you don't say, I know what you said it. You don't add the it. This, this extra it, of course, if you have maybe some Arab friends, you might hear them use pronouns awkwardly sometimes. I know what you said it. Right? When they, when they do that, they're actually thinking of the a'id in the Arabic language. It's a concept of grammar in Arabic where the word what comes back as a pronoun. So 
ma kuntum fihi, the ha comes back from the ma. It's a repeat of it. And in English, we just, like, when we translate this, we just look at the word in, but we don't say in it. So I translated, in what you used to disagree in, or in regards to what you disagreed in. And I left it at that. But the reason I'm giving you all of this technical grammatical stuff is that the mention of da'aid is actually one of the ways of doing qaid, meaning to, to really focus and attention on some issue. Uh, another way of Qur'an highlighting that this disagreement in particular about what happened to Isa salam and what his role is, and what his message was, and what his actual mission was, and who are his real followers, and who are therefore, those who are his followers are believers, because by contrast, those who are not his followers are disbelievers. Typically you have believers contrasted with disbelievers. Here you have his followers contrasted with disbelievers. So the, the, the definition of true faith then becomes those who followed his way were believers and those who denied it were disbelievers or who stood against it. So it's a pretty big challenge because there's, you know, uh, those who follow him or claim to follow him Allah says about them, a huge number of them, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثًا Those who said Allah is a third of three have committed an act of disbelief. That's a denial of the truth about Isa salam. So, but again, I do hold the view, and Allahu A'lam, that this ayah is speaking about the conflict that comes at the very, very end of the, 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 the saga of this world, the story of this world, and towards the very end, it's the return of Isa salam. And that final conflict, and at the end of all of that comes Judgment Day. ثُمَّ إِلَيَّ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ ثُمَّ also just a small comment about ثُمَّ it can suggest تَرَاخِي meaning some a, a, a significant delay. So even though this is t- towards the end of this world, from the end of the world to resurrection is actually a huge time of death. Like it's not a small gap. Like this stuff happens and all of a sudden there's Judgment Day. There are phases in Judgment Day. First, everything dies. And then everything is brought back to life. And when everything dies, it's going to be a long time. And then finally, you'll be brought back towards me. And I will judge in the matters that you disagreed in. Then as for those, there, meaning now Judgment Day, the scene of Judgment Day, those who had disbelieved, Now it switches back. We thought we were now in Akhirah. But Allah took it back to dunya again. There's a kind of iltifat here in the ayah. As, uh, iltifat means transition. Then as for those who disbelieved, I shall punish them, and I shall torture them, an intense form of torture, adaban shadidan, fid dunya wal akhirah, in this world and in the next. Now the thing is, the idea of adaban shadidan is not a light phrase. Wa'adhibuhum by itself is actually a pretty intense phrase that Allah says He'll torture. But when he says, I shall torture them, an intense form of torture, adaban shadidan, you typically think of this kind of torture as hell. Like Allah will give somebody hell. Next life. But the phrase continues, the phrasing continues, fit dunya wal akhira. In this life and in the next life. In this life and in the next life. Yet again, seeming to, seemingly an indication that this intense form of punishment is coming for the final generations of people that are going to reject the return of Isa salam, and they're going to be given the worst form of punishment even in this world. And then again in the afterlife, fil akhirah. وَمَا لَهُمْ مِنْ نَاصِرِينَ And they're not going to find any aids whatsoever. You know, uh, there's a consistency between hadith narrations and 
these ayat of the Quran, if you look at the hadith narrations describing the end of times and of you know the accounts that take place with Isa alayhi salam, especially the authentic narrations in which there's little to no disagreement, it seems to corroborate the language of these ayat pretty clearly. And again, there are other interpretations, but they seem to be more like there's more of an effort to kind of extract alternative meanings from them than to look at them very directly. Even though I won't do that in this session, but in the next session, I will look at counter arguments that I mentioned I will be looking at. And as for those who've believed and have done good deeds, and Amil Salihat is very common, you've heard this many times before, Salihat, the few good deeds asked of them, not much was asked of them, then I shall then he shall give them their full compensation. ujurahum. He shall fully compensate them, their, the compensation that was owed, ba- owed based on contract. There's some interesting things here. The first is, on the one hand, was disbelieved. They just simply disbelieved. But on the contrast, it should be, belief should be contrasted with, or disbelief should be contrasted with, belief. And that's it. That's all there should be. Alladhina kafaru, alladhina amanu. What you find, alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat. And this is the Qur'an's very subtle way of sometimes comparing something with more than what was expected, for a purpose. So the expected language almost you could say is, believers are on this hand, or disbelievers are here, believers are here. But he said, no, believers and those who did good deeds. Why was that important? Well, one of the reasons that's important is, a huge number of the followers of Jesus, those who thought that they're following Jesus, essentially rejected the idea of following the law that he followed the, the Torah he was given, that his sacrifice and his blood excuses them from following the law, it purifies them from the need to follow the law that was given even to him, not just to Moses, but to him also. Quran highlights not only his faith, you know, because you know, uh, if, if, you, if you know anything about Christian missionaries, regardless of denomination, if you know anything about missionary work, so long as you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're good. Like, you're, you're fine after that. Yes, they'll give you sermons about don't do this sin or that sin, but you know, there's an inherent conflict that's very difficult to solve, and you have to do a lot of philosophical gymnastics to solve it, because you know, I, I sometimes have fun conversations, because I live in Texas, so there's lots of preachers to go around. There's like six churches on my way to the grocery store. So, you know, and there's signs, come in, Jesus welcomes you, or whatever, so I'll go in sometimes for fun, just uh, looking for Jesus. <laughs> Let's hang out and talk. So we'll, we'll talk and we'll have some conversations like, uh, so he paid for my sins. If I accept him as Lord and Savior, he's paid for my sins. Yes, he has. Okay. So can I rob a bank as soon as I finish here? Can I go? No, why would you do that? I was like, because he already paid for my sins. Because if I, if I go rob a bank, then... And if I get, I'm saying I'll try to get away with it. But if I get away with it, it's not like I'm going to go be answerable to God for that because uh, he paid for my sins. And he said, no, that if you did such a thing, that means you don't have Jesus, you truly don't have Jesus in your heart. So I was like, well, then what did he pay for? Because <laughs> if I'm not going to sin anymore, then what's he paying for? And so there's this kind of back and forth about the role of that sacrifice of Jesus and how it you know, omits all of the law. Then the other problematic piece, which is probably the most consistent part that this surah highlights, Adam salam was given revelation, Nuh was given revelation, Ibrahim was given revelation. As a matter of fact, with the exception of Salih, 
or Shu'aib with a handful of prophets. The other prophets mentioned in the Quran are biblical prophets. They're mentioned in the Bible also. And they're all preaching the same exact thing. One God, good, follow His law, you know, be kind to your neighbor, good to your parents, stay away from stealing, you know, adultery and all this other stuff. Like the same law, basically. Fundamentally the same good and evil that was taught. And this is how you can earn God's mercy. But if you're claiming that the coming and the saving of Jesus being Savior is like the greatest event to ever happen in human history, then all of the previous prophets should have been telling us about its coming. If this is the event that's going to save humanity, then every prophet before should have been talking about it. And none of them should have been providing an alternative view of what salvation is, what does it mean to be saved. Because they're all prophets of God, they're coming from the same source. And did he like keep them in the dark about his coming and the fact that all your sins are going to be cleansed? And even Moses should have said, you're following the law, but eventually you won't need it. Don't worry about it because Jesus is coming and that'll be good. You'll be fine. But that didn't happen. Why is it that this one prophet and his message is going to be in contradiction with everything else that was given before him? Why would we accept a narrative about this prophet that contradicts all of what came before him? As a matter of fact, this is negated in this, in this account in Ali Imran, even by the way Isa himself is described. Why? Because from the very beginning, he, Allah teaches him Torah and Injil. Not just Injil, Torah and Injil. Now Torah has the Allah. So if he's teaching Torah, he's not teaching it to say, you don't have to act on this. It doesn't really count. It doesn't really matter. Obviously he's teaching it because it applies. So يُعَلِّمُهُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالْتَوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Now, that's one part of this that, I, that deserves highlighting. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ The deeds are in fact highlighted because that's something the, 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 the Christian folk that came need to hear. The value of deeds and they're, how they're interconnected with faith. The notion being that once you truly have faith, it needs to, sh- the, 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 the fruit of it, the impact of it is how, how we carry ourselves. فَيُوَفِّهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ Then the next part, then he shall compensate them in full their, uh, you know, their, their compensations. He will give them in full their compensations. Ajr is in response to a contractual agreement. This is why isti'jar is employment. Even back then, like in the story of Musa alayhi salam, uh, you know, uh, and the daughter says, hire him, meaning make an agreement with him, do this work, this is what you'll get paid. So it's clear these deeds shall result in this reward. Ajat is associated with work and being compensated for work. Ajat itself in almost implies that it's not just you believing something that's going to get you compensated, it's that belief coupled with the work you're going to do, and what's the phrasing for the work here? Amilu salihat, that will get you compensated. This was important for the Christian missionaries who visited the Prophet ﷺ, it was important for them to hear because their notion is that compensation, there's, it, there's no need for comp- being compensated for our deeds, it's already what we have in our hearts that's going to get compensated. It's also important for certain groups of Muslims to hear this. Because the, some variation of this kind of thinking has made its way into you know, aspect, you know, elements of the Muslim community. The Prophet ﷺ, so long as we have faith of him in our hearts, then even if we lived sinful lives, it's okay, he will do shafa'ah for us on judgment day, and we're going to be good. We're going to be just fine. And this is yet another one of the implicit parallels between 
Jesus and our Messenger, وسلم, because some of the deviation that happened with the Christians, some element of that even made its way into the Muslim world, into the, into the thinking of many, many Muslims. And it continues to be the case. Like, you know, they say he's going to be our savior on Judgment Day. It's literally almost that language, except it replaced Jesus with who? Muhammad Sallallahu And a misuse of the ahadith of shafa'ah, the ahadith of intercession, and how he's going to intercede and on behalf of the ummah and say, Ummati, Ummati. If you look at those ahadith carefully, you'll see a very different picture. In my series in Baqarah, under Ayatul Kursi, when Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Man uh, illa right? The one who's going to intercede except when he gives permission. I talked in, at length about that hadith. Like, what does it mean when the Prophet is going to stand in front of Allah and speak to, ho- to hope for the salvation of his ummah? And how that's different from the, the, the Christian account of Jesus. But those parallels have to be understood. So, فَيُوَفِّهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ Then he will compensate them in full their compensations, meaning the, the work that they did. وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الظَّالِمِينَ and Allah does not love those who do wrong. Again, a, a very strategic phrase. Generally, Allah doesn't love those who do wrong is a universal phrase. But what is it doing in this particular context? The definition of zulm, those of you that have studied Quranic Arabic a long time, probably know this is one of the easiest, most commonly used definitions. Putting something where it doesn't belong. Putting something where it doesn't belong is the definition of wrongdoing in Arabic. So valimin, wrongdoers, basically people who place things where they don't belong. Basically people who misplace things. People who misplace their hopes that salvation is only a result of accepting Jesus as the Son of God and misplace the notion that the deeds that God revealed, that the Torah that He revealed, the law that He revealed of the permissible, permissible and the impermissible is basically negligible. It, it's irrelevant, it's abrogated. That's a form of vulm. And then they believed on top of that, because we love Jesus, that God loves us. This is the only way for God to love us. Look at the language. Wallahu la yuhibbu Allah does not love those who misplace, those who do this kind, that kind of wrong. So there's actually this, you know, the language that resonates with those who came to meet with the Prophet Allah is speaking with them. <coughs> Again, I remind myself, of, myself and all of you that this is Allah speaking. Not me. I don't get to tell someone who Allah loves and who Allah doesn't love. Allah gets to. We introduce people to the word of Allah. And they, this is not me deciding who Allah loves and who He doesn't love. That's between Him and Allah Azza wa But this is, Allah speaks from a position of authority. He speaks from a position of authority. We can't. We have to speak from a position of slavery. Okay? And that's a very difficult balance to strike as we study these ayat. So in any case, and Allah in fact, He does not love a zalimin. Wallahu la yuhibbul zalimin. The other interesting thing here about the language of Wallahu la yuhibbul zalimin is this is a jumla ismiyah. And the norm of a, of a fi'il is that you should be, uh, it should typically involve a jumla fi'liyah, meaning Wala yuhibbullahu zalimin. Wala yuhibbullahu zalimin. That's the typical structure. The fi'il precedes the fa'il. But here you have the mubtada and then you have the khabar la yuhibbu zalimin. What that does is, what uh, Dr. Simon Rai also argues in cases like these is what's called al-ithbat ala ghayr al-fa'il. Meaning, you're alluding to someone other than the one you're talking about. Let me put that in simple English. And Allah, in fact, not him. He doesn't love wrongdoers. As if to say in parentheses, someone else does. Who would love wrongdoers? Hmm. The, the devil would. The, the, you know, and, and those who misguide would. And those who take advantage of your 
lack of consideration of the truth about revelation and use you and manipulate you into false religion, they would love it. But Allah wouldn't. Wallahu la yuhibbul The other interesting thing about Wallahu la yuhibbul is that people who claim to follow Jesus up until the time of the Prophet ﷺ were responsible for some of the worst atrocities in their own, among their own peoples. Like ghulm and oppression of the people in the name of Christianity, in the name of Christ, had become a phenomenon by then. How could God love people who do this? How is this godly behavior? Wallahu la yuhibbul Because the empires had already now engaged in forms of persecution in the name of Christianity. That had already started happening. And so it's even a comment on a global phenomenon. Wallahu la yuhibbul And then in conclusion, Allah Azza wa says, ذَلِكَ نَتْلُهُ عَلَيْكَ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ الْحَكِيمِ that is what we are, are narrating on to you, reading on to you. Talayatlu in Arabic means to follow. Okay? Talayatlu means to follow. And it, by implication, the word is used for reading. Okay? So the idea of tala or tilawa is when your eyes and your finger is following the text. So that's what you're reading. And the, the word is used to describe someone, obviously, who's capable of reading a text. And Rasulullah is not someone who reads and writes. He doesn't read, read and write, but it's being read onto him. We are reading onto you. We are reading onto you from the ayat, from the miraculous signs, and al Hakim. I believe in tafsir, I'll verify this, um, that some have argued that this may be even referring to Jibreel. That he's reciting these ayat onto him. And that also creates a parallel between Isa. And uh, Rasulullah just particularly the implicit mention of Jibreel in these ayat. So we're narrating on to you from within the ayat. I, I love the min here. Dalika natluhu alayka, and it could have been out of bayan, al ayat wa dhikr hakim. No, minal ayati wa dhikr hakim. From within the ayat, meaning from within the revelations that could have been given, Allah chose to be partial. I'm not telling you the whole story, and I'm letting you know I'm deliberately not telling you the whole story. These are just from within the ayat. Min al-ayat. Wadhikil hakim And the wise mentioned. Meaning, there is with, from within the wise remembrance, this is there. The purpose of this story is to look in it for what you will use to remember Allah and what wisdom you can draw from it. It's almost like the purpose of revelation is being told to us at the end. This is not there to tell you the story. It's the, the purpose of all of this account is for you to remember something. And to draw, to draw wisdom from it. So going back, it's, you know, this is, these are the kinds of places in Qur'an where you, know, you reach somewhere and it's almost as though it's compelling you, go back and read it again. And now read it with the following lens. All of this is a dhikr al-hakim. This is all a remembrance full of wisdom. Now you're looking for how is this a remembrance of Allah and what wisdom can I get from it. Maybe the first time your lens wasn't refined enough, then by the end Allah says, ذَلِكَ نَتْلُوهُ عَلَيْكَ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ الْحَكِيمِ And it's actually in and of itself an inspiration to go back and review and recap. What is it that's being said? And how is it being said? I'll say one brief thing about the next ayah and inshallah we'll, we'll talk more about it in future sessions. Well, our time's almost up anyway. Uh, the, just the, uh, it's not the subject of the ayah, it's something nuanced about the ayah that I wanted to share with you. إِنَّا مَثَلَ عِيسَىٰ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ آدَمْ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ The example of Isa, as far as Allah is concerned, is just like the example of who? 
Adam Meaning, if you're thinking that Isa is a miraculous birth, and therefore he is of divine origin, because he was born without the intervention of a father, then what do you say about Adam, who was born without father or mother? That's, as far as Allah is concerned, that's a miraculous creation, this is a miraculous creation. As a matter of fact, if that's the logic, then Adam salam should have twice the right. No mother or father. You know, and I, for, when I first studied Ali Ibrahim many, many, many years ago, um, I was traveling one time and I happened to be sitting next to somebody, it was a long train ride in Long Island, and I figured I need to do da'wah to him, because I was reading Ali Imran in the, in the, on the train, and I'm like, this, I gotta tell a Christian about this. Hey, what's up? And he was reading the Wall Street Journal. And I don't know how to start a conversation. I'm not going, hey, by the way, Jesus, not Son of God. So what I do, I was like, hey, the market nowadays, huh? Crazy, right? I know nothing about the market. And he goes, yeah, it's crazy. What you reading? I was like, ah, Revelation. And we strike up a conversation. And in the course of the conversation, I kind of used this. I said, you know, I was, I was wondering about you guys, because he was Catholic. And he was talking about why he doesn't go to church because they always want money and he was, <laughs> he was complaining about church. I was like, you know, but you, you went to Sunday school, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I have a question for you. He's like, what? He goes, you know, I was wondering. Like, so Jesus is the son of God. This is what you, what you learned? Is yeah. It's like, so why not Adam? Like, if Jesus is the son of God because no dad, so God must be somehow, why not Adam? He's got like twice the right. No mom, no dad. So he's like super son of God according to your formula, but you don't really give Adam too much credit. So what's up with that? He goes, well, I guess that's the mystery of faith, isn't it? (laughs) And that's the first time I heard the phrase mystery of faith. And then I realized this is actually a staple phenomenon in Christian teaching across many denominations. What makes it beautiful is that it don't make sense. It's a mystery in it. That's genius. It's so clear because it's mysterious. They're like, yes, yes it is, yes it is. You know? But what I wanted to highlight, not only that, that theological parallel, like, okay, to Allah, Adam and Isa are no different. They're just creations. خَلَقَهُمْ مِنْ تُرَابِ Created him from dirt. The other side of it is interestingly from a literary point of view, it's a subtle nuance in the Qur'an. From what I recall, Jesus, Isa is mentioned in the Qur'an 25 times. Isa is mentioned 25 times. Adam is also mentioned 25 times. Okay? Isa is mentioned 25 times, Adam is mentioned 25 times. And this is ayah number 59 of Al-Imran. Before this ayah, before this ayah, if you go from the Qur'an's order, Isa comes up six times. Adam also comes up six times. This is the seventh time, seventh time for both. And then after this, they will be mentioned 18 more times each. So just from that point of view, the example of Isa in the Quran, as far as Allah is concerned, is exactly like the example of Adam, even as far as number and distribution. Inna mathala Isa inda Allahi ka mathali Adam. He created him from dirt and thereafter he said be and he came into be. So inshallah we'll discuss some of the, the things that I have I've left out in more detail in our coming session. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.